Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa via TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, Podbean, Podbay, a bunch of other ones that I heard about this weekend that are on Android that I did not know about. So, Anywhere you can find a podcast, it is on there. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com, which also has full links to the show notes and guests. On this week's episode, it is going to be a packed episode with one, two, three, four uh, movie reviews and also Rose City Comic Con uh, post-show coverage. Uh, I just got back into town like yesterday and I went straight into a screening tonight. So it is pretty crazy. The weekend was awesome. So I will talk about that. And then the last thing we will talk about is the upcoming Renton city comic con the top of the show. I do want to thank everybody for voting in the Renton city comic con geek awards. I was a finalist in two categories, favorite Northwest podcast and geek of the year before they turned off the options to view the results of the survey. I was getting thrashed in the podcast, favorite Northwest podcast by my friends at Northwest Nerd, and I was thrashing everybody in the Geek of the Year. I have no idea how it will come out. Uh, The award ceremony is this Saturday, the 15th at 2 p.m. There will be a link in the show notes below, so click on that through Renton City Comic Con. I think I have a discount code if people are interested in that, so yeah. Uh, But yeah, all that information will be in the show notes Below, before we get into the rest of the show, I will introduce my guest joining me because, yes, I am not alone in the studio, which I had been for the past couple weeks, and I was going crazy. Welcoming back is Just Jed. I'm back, baby! (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Jed is back with me. We just got out of, like, literally minutes ago, the Predator screening, so we will be talking about that on this episode, uh, along with many other things. Before we get into that, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I did not intend just Jed to be a actual name. Well, it is now. Apparently. It is now, my friend. Uh, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, thank Aaron Campbell for that. Uh, okay. So, uh, right in the beginning of the show, the geek news of the week. Uh, the first one that is on the docket, Jordan Peele, who is just crushing it. You might have heard of him recently. <laughs> He's not been in the news at all. It's tough. Yeah. I find it fascinating that somebody coming from a comedic background and everything who loves horror finally got the chance to do horror mm-hmm. his way. And, oh, shocking. It won a bunch of awards. <laughs> He's good at it. It's weird. Yeah, he actually is really good at it. He is doing an anthology series with Stephen King. Uh, that was announced a while ago. But the thing that was just announced is he was going to be remaking Candyman. Candyman. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Candyman. Nope. Candyman, for those of you who do not remember or are not, were not around in the 90s, 
was a terrifying <laughs> movie. My wife's brother, my brother-in-law, is uh, terrified of mm-hmm. that movie to this day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it was one of those things where with Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. you know, you had the one, oh, two, yeah. Freddy's. Like, that was creepy and traumatized a oh, bunch of the, us in like, that generation. The tubular bells from The Shining. Yeah. You know, it's dun, 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 Yeah. Uh, with Halloween. So all of <laughs> all of those iconic things. Candyman had that same just quality. Yeah. Uh, so we will see kind of when this happens, how it happens. Jordan Peele is going to be very busy for a while. But it's announced that he plans on remaking Candyman. I mean, the main actor. Oh, did he pass away recently? I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. Or but, either that we just killed him accidentally. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> let me uh, pull, pull that up right now just to make sure. I feel like I, I read that, but let me just. Uh, I mean, this is going to be real. Tony Todd. Yeah. Um, ba, ba, ba. Nope. I think you're still alive. Sorry, Tony. Love you, Tony. Um, Long time <laughs> listener of the podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, Sorry about that. Yeah. So, I mean, he is still around. So, why not? Uh, get him back. I think that would be interesting. Sure. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm on board with anything Jordan Peele does. Yeah. Like it does not matter. So this is exciting. I like seeing creators do different things. And again, with their own rules. Mm-hmm. So get out would not have been the same. Had he been doing that through a different studio that kind of was not giving them, giving him that creative freedom. Mm-hmm. So, Hopefully that they can they give him the keys to run with it a little bit this for Candyman and not yeah. just like hey you proved yourself with Get Out now here do you know it's a pretty big franchise it could could potentially be a bit pretty big franchise it could I think it you is know. something different than a lot of the horror that we are seeing now because there has been this massive resurgence oh yeah I mean you get the horror. new uh, um, Halloween coming out very soon the new Halloween with Blumhouse super stoked for that uh, I think I see that in like a week or two <laughs> so super on board. Uh, but yeah, so that should be really cool. Uh, the next one. What is the next one, Jay? <laughs> uh, there was a, a trailer put out for She-Ra mm-hmm. on the Netflix. Ne- <laughs> <laughs> wow. The Netflix series, She-Ra. Mm-hmm. They're remaking it. Uh, new animation style. Uh, they put out a little kind of teaser trailer of it. Mm-hmm. It looks good. It looks fun. It looks, you know, I like the art of it. It's kind of like got this cool, like, female Thor kind of aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see a lot of the, yeah, no, it is like a 45 second teaser. It does have the Steven universe esque kind of look, but not to the extent of like Thundercats roar, which is very, like very simplistic cell shading. Yeah. Um, yeah, it look, it looks solid. DreamWorks is behind it. Yeah. So you know that they can pay the best animators around, Okay. There, were, there were already, I mean, as soon as they announced this, like, a year ago, almost, or almost right. a year ago, the trolls were like, no, they ruined She-Ra. But she, again, I, think, I know we <laughs> talked about this back whenever, how many weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Can't ruin She-Ra. No. There's nothing to ruin. No. It's like, oh, you dirtied the mud. It's yeah. She-Ra. Who cares? It's She-Ra. And when She-Ra came out in the 80s, mm-hmm. when He-Man was huge... The nerds are like, She-Ra, she's not He-Man. Right. And now they're like, they're ruining. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's a giant generational gap between anybody who knows anything about She-Ra. Right. So those people who are arguing were the ones that did not like it back then because it was not He-Man. And I will give a shout out. I just actually watched, yeah. speaking of Netflix, 
um, a new documentary. It actually came out like towards the end of last year called Power of Grayskull, The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Great documentary. It is like 95 minutes. It is on Netflix and it goes over all of that. Like why they developed He-Man the way that they did. Right. Why they developed She-Ra because the same company that did She-Ra was doing Barbie. So right. they were like, we need to do something else and actually have a strong female character whose accessories are not shoes and bags. Yeah. She had swords and vehicles. Which is cool. It was awesome. <laughs> and guess what? The new show isn't for like people our age. We're probably yeah. going to, you know, there might be some references or something, mm-hmm. but it's going to be for the kids these days. You know, the kids that are going to want a kind of cool, like warrior female kid. I mean, she looks pretty young in the she does, teaser. Yeah. You know, somebody to look up to and kind of have fun with that, you know? And it just, it, I do not understand that. Yes, I have my old manisms when they're, when I saw the Thundercats roar thing and I was like, this is not the Thundercats I remember. Yeah, because I am not a child anymore. <laughs> and when they redid He-Man and the Masters of the Universe in like 2010, um, or yeah, they did a new one on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm, yeah. The animation was solid. Like it was really cool. Drew from some anime influences. I liked it. And that was a show. It lasted like one season. Right. But still, just because I'm an adult watching cartoons does not mean cartoons are meant for me. Steven Universe is a phenomenal cartoon that touches on so many important messages. Well, it pushes messages. a lot of the boundary. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get kids exposed to things like that early and it just becomes part of their makeup of like, oh, I should not worry about skin color or gender or gender non-binary characters like they have in the in the show. So I'm on board with yeah. She-Ra. Well, that all looks saying, cool. Yeah. All that being said, we don't know if they're going to push any of that with She-Ra yeah. anyway, because it's literally a teaser. She grabs the sword and, you know, power of Skull, all that good mm-hmm. stuff. That's it. Pretty much. So, yeah, looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they did not even announce kind of when it was coming out. A new animated, a new animated show that is coming out on Netflix this weekend that I am probably going to binge that I talked about like a few months ago when they first dropped the trailer is The Dragon Prince. Same writers of Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. Sold. I, like, as soon as I saw that in the, I almost said the news clipping, how old am I? <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> On the, like, headline of one of the websites that I go to, it was like, new show, but for the writers of, it, done, sold, cue it up. So that is The Dragon Prince, and that comes out on the 14th. Mm. Pretty sure I will binge that this weekend. If I do, I will report on it uh, yeah, for next episode. <laughs> totally. uh, the other item of geek news, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Released a bunch of photos, which is great because I was not necessarily getting worried. I was like, we kind of need to see something because mm-hmm. there is not a new Marvel thing as far as the main stuff mm-hmm. coming out for a while. Well, so uh, Understandably so. They're keeping Avengers... To, well, yeah, uh, kind of Infinity close, War Part Two. Yeah, yeah, close to their chest. You know, can't mm-hmm. blame them for that. Yeah, but, so uh, it it. Uh, I'm glad that they dropped this when they did. Mm-hmm. We saw some really cool stuff. The de aging of Samuel L. Jackson with both of his eyes. Crazy. Like he even put up a tweet about it because he was like, "Wait, this is what it looks like." Because again, when you are an actor and they're doing all this layering and post processing, mm-hmm. this is the first time he got to see it. So it looks pretty incredible. Uh, Brie Larson looks great, both in her kind of traditional Cree outfit. And then they did a colorized version of the cover where she has her red and gold. Looks great. Ronan the Accuser yeah. is back. Uh, the scrolls. That was kind of the big news. 
Granted, the picture of the scrolls looks like a '90s R&B album, <laughs> uh, like Silk or Boys to Men, <laughs> uh, Joe to see. Yeah, scrolls, Secret Invasion. Yeah, yeah. coming soon <laughs> on Billboard. So, I mean, but they, like the design looks great. It just that particular yeah. image they put forward looks like a '90s R&B album cover. I really want to see the scrolls in action. Um, yeah, is it Mendelssohn? Brian Mendelssohn, mm-hmm. right? Is playing the lead scroll. Ben Mendelssohn. Ben Mendelssohn. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the picture looks a little like Star Trek y. Yeah. You know, hey, we got these actors, we put some green stuff on them and some pointy ears, and they're an alien species. I, I give Marvel some faith, you mm-hmm. know, so of I want to see these guys kind of CG'd up like they did with Sam Jackson. You know, I feel like the picture we saw was a little rough. And I, I am fascinated by how they're going to do this shape changing. Yeah. I was almost positive. When that we were going to see a scroll in Winter Soldier, you think in the end? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. when, in the end, when uh, Claw mm-hmm. is kind of locked in the, the uh, kind of clear bubble thing, um, Claw. Oh, okay. And he is talking Not about Mordo? or right. Oh, okay. Um, and he is like talking about everything, and as mm-hmm. um, I forget his name, Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh yeah the cia agent yes as he is walking around the glass like the glass was kind of shimmering and i was like mm-hmm. just give us a reflection like give us like one little ripple across the face and that would have been amazing so i'm interested to see how they do the shape changing in this as long as they avoid doing any of the super scroll things mm-hmm. because well they have fantastic four now oof, just avoid the super scroll uh because they can do so much and this movie is going to take place in the 80s right so people are already like, okay, you introduced the scrolls in the 80s, who that we have seen, who may or may not still be around, was a scroll. I'm, I was just about to ask you, where are you in the camp of like secret invasion? Like that's the big, Oh, it is happening. You think 100%. that's the next thing like we're going to find out yep. at the end of Infinity War 2? It's like, oh, Hawkeye was a scroll the entire time. Who? Hawkeye? Who, who is that? Oh, sorry. Um, it's a small part. Jeremy Renner played <laughs> oh, okay. it for like one movie. Oh, gotcha. He disappeared for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. I just like, uh, he yeah. posted a tweet about him getting back into the saddle river and saying oh, like, course. hashtag Hawkeye, you know, of course. He's, he's, he's there. He'll be there. He hasn't dusted yet. I think. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Um, we should do a pool, like a, a betting a de- pool. A Deadpool perhaps. Mm, scroll pool. Scroll pool. Yeah. <laughs> of like who, you know, put some odds on. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I am a hundred percent, sure that there are at least two people that mm-hmm. we have gotten used to in these movies that at some point were switched out. God, if Coulson is a scroll, people are going to flip. No, because he already had his, he is part cybernetic and he already had his mind. That's Agents true. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Tahiti's one magical place. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so that is super cool. I will put a link to those photos below. I'm on board for Captain Marvel. Looks great so far. Brie Larson is pretty legit. Mm-hmm. so yeah no fantastic actress yeah all right so that was it for the geek news uh next so as i said i just got back from renton or not renton rose city comic-con i will be going to renton city comic-con this coming weekend so rose city comic-con in portland uh, i got to hang out a lot with nick and dyer from the northwest nerd crew and ash as well and it was just it was a lot of fun One of the things that I really liked about this con, I have been going to cons and covering cons nationwide for a while. Artist Alley was like 15 feet wide. Like it was huge between tables. 
And it's great that this can kind of be a detriment sometimes. It was ice cold. Mm. Like it was real cold out to the point where some of the artists are just kind of like sitting at their booth in jackets. Please sit by my uh, <laughs> shake Shaking a little cup uh, with some alms in it. But that, comparing that to like New York City Comic Con of last year, where Artist Alley is in the bottom of the Javits Center. Javits Center is going through a bunch of renovations. It was like 900 degrees in Artist Alley. This was the opposite. So it's kind of pick your poison. But the show floor and Artist Alley was just on one level for the most part. The panels were kind of spread out. But one main level, huge distance, distance between the aisles, solid work. Like that was just, that was a really good thing that they did. Um, I got to see a couple panels, one of which being uh, the theory of time travel with Aaron McDonald, right. who is from the YouTube series. And she also has a podcast called Dr. Aaron Explains the Universe. Really solid panel. She basically talked about, she's a theoretical astrophysicist, which <laughs> it sounds like one of those quote unquote easy things, because when you stand up there and you're like, so this is what we think tachyons could do. Hmm. We have no way to prove it, but this is what we think. And this is what we get money to talk about and get grants for. Who knows? All right. Yeah. We're going to just ram things together <laughs> and hope it doesn't destroy the planet Earth. Yeah. Quantum entanglement, all these things that they're starting to be able to prove certain aspects. But in general, it is, okay, this is what we think will happen if XYZ happens and this and this. Okay, that was it. So, but it was really informative. She obviously knows her stuff. She used a lot of clips of Star Trek in her panel, mm-hmm. which is awesome because I love um, Star yeah, Trek. Gonna, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. That was on Saturday, and Saturday night, uh, we had, we all went to the landing party, which is a Star Trek event at the Worst, which is a tavern mm-hmm. W U R S T, and it kicked off Star Trek Week in Verst. Portland. So, uh, yeah, so at the party. Uh, yeah, hanging out with, like, Virginia, Lou, uh, Mari, Julie, Ethan, like, just a bunch of Star Trek nerds at this party it was really awesome. And then we had delicious sizzle pie Ooh. afterwards. Wait, wait, what's sizzle pie? Sizzle pie is an amazing pizza place. We have one on, we have one here in Capitol Hill. I've never been. Oh, you fool. I'm sorry, Jeff. You fool. I'm sorry. Um, and then another panel that I went to was POC representation in film and media, uh, and that was, you know, done by a little panel of some people that I know and are friends with, like Abby, Ekenezer, uh, Yon Frakes, Ashley, Noel Jackson, Ian, Karen, and Mary Adner. Really cool. They talked about a bunch of shows that I still have yet to see. And so I kind of lose some POC representation mm-hmm. points. Uh, yeah, your like, punch card. <laughs> like my punch card. Uh, like Riverdale oh, and yeah. The 100. Uh, yeah, I, I just... I only have so much time when I'm in the theater four nights a week. So, but yeah, that was a really cool panel. Uh, Abby always puts that together for like Emerald City Comic Con and Rose City Comic Con. Abby, so, huh? Indeed. Interesting. Friend of the podcast, Abby. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I'd like to meet this yes. Abby. Uh, yeah, not even spoiler alert, but we're, we're working on something hmm. down the pike. Uh, so another thing that I did this con that was different than others as I did not do a ton of interviews, I think mainly because this was one of the first cons where I actually had the ability to just kind of relax mm. and and enjoy. enjoy and enjoy the con as opposed to just weird, just back to back panels and then interviewing people. So I mean, if you want to hear a bunch of interviews with other, 
you know, artists and everything, Emerald City Comic Con, New York City Comic Con, you can check out those episodes. Um, but this weekend, I interviewed um, Alyssa Salah, and she is the colorist on an image book called Sleepless, hmm. as well as she did, did like a horror anthology. She has another anthology coming out um, called Silver and Metal, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the exact name of it. Uh, but yeah, what I will do is actually right now I will cut to an interview that I did with her. Uh, it was a little bit short, but it was just something that we were able to do just at her booth because whenever I have my podcast student in a box, I'm just like, hey, I like your stuff. Here's a mic in front of your face. <laughs> Talk to me, please. <laughs> Pretty much. And on their table, uh, she shared a kind of a, an area uh, with uh, Leila DeLuca, Del Duca, sorry. And both of the trade paperbacks that I picked up have women of color right on the color, right on the cover. <laughs> And immediately I'm like, okay, well, I got to buy these and also figure out kind of more about this. And yeah. So right now I will cut to that interview with Alyssa and then we will be right back. Alyssa Salah is joining the show right now. She is a colorist and cartoonist on multiple projects. So tell me about this horror anthology that I looked at earlier today. Tell me all about it. Oh, sure, sure. So um, I have a collective called the Bonfire Collective, um, which we started in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and since I moved out to Portland, we still continue it. And every year we put together um, with a different theme and mm-hmm. anthology. Um, and a lot of the proceeds will go to charity. Oh, very um, cool. So last year we did the horror anthology, uh, Blackwater, um, which I, um, I'm i also featured in the anthology to put together my art, or my art and stories. Um, I would hope so, so. I mean, you put all the work into forming so, the collective. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, so it's a good way for us to get um, you know our stuff out, but also kind of do it for a good cause. In addition to um, you know just like kind of doing something fun and unique. Um, and so uh, I did a story in that a short called Mimosa, which was kind of a similar. Uh, it's like a horror body horror story about a uh, a fish man um, mm-hmm. and came out right before uh, The Shape of Water and so that came out and I was like oh Guillermo del Toro stole my idea <laughs> um, so you immediately sent a letter to Guillermo del Toro's <laughs> lawyers and were like you stole my idea and won an Oscar of course uh, but, uh, so yeah um, that was, so that was a lot of fun to do something a little different than it, um, and yeah so every year we do um, an anthology like that and this year we'll be doing um, the anthology called Silk and Metal which is uh, the theme was relationships and so I did kind of a, a sci-fi story um really a, a melancholy story in that called uh, uh old fashioned and so yeah that'll be out at the end of september okay now is this something you talked about the the charity proceeds so does it benefit the same charity each time do you guys partner with different people i would love to hear about that as well yeah so uh we do different charities uh each year depending on you know things that might be happening or uh things that might almost fit the theme of the book mm-hmm. uh so the first time we ever did this anthology, we did a book called uh, during like right before the 2016 election. It was called uh, Shonen Trump. So like wow. it was a play on the Shonen Jump uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. comics, yeah, yeah. and it was kind of like political um, and like uh, mostly or 
pretty much entirely anti-Trump uh, and it was just commenting on like the ridiculous situation at hand and kind of parodying it with these weird um, old school like Shonen Jump manga tropes mm-hmm. and uh, so that the proceeds from that went to Syrian refugees kind oh, of awesome. as you can imagine uh, immigrant charity mm-hmm. um, and then so Blackwater the uh, all the proceeds went to uh, Flint Michigan Water Fund um, awesome. and so that uh, and then this year the uh, Silken Metal will be going to uh, the St. Jude's Cancer Research. Yeah, that so um, it's, uh, you know, there's still indie comics, so it's not like we make $10,000, you know, go <laughs> right. to charity, but it's still like a hefty chunk that we're always really proud of. And whenever we see, whenever we donate it, we see this big amount. You donated like uh, $300 to, you know, Flint, Michigan Water Fund, and it always feels really nice to, um, like, see that and also, you know, hear the. It like it, to hear the feedback on our work, and also feel like you kind of accomplish like you 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 use art to do something better in the world a little bit. Especially being an indie producer, when yeah, you know you're not making X amount, you know, large mm-hmm. amount of money. The fact that you still have it in you to want to give back, and not just want to, but you put your money where your mouth is. You know, you really actually help out these causes, and I think that is something that is just really Thank special you. and unique because. As all of us independent producers can attest to, this is a labor of love. Yeah. You know, and so to give back to those those causes is, is pretty incredible. Thank you. Now tell me about Sleepless as well. This is through Image, and you did the color on this one as well. Yes. So um, I work with Layla Del Duca and Sarah Vaughn on uh, and Darren Bennett on Sleepless. Uh, so. When I interned at the Helioscope Studios, uh, Layla came up to me. She liked my work, and like the, uh, I do a lot of watercolor work in my stuff, and a lot of soft colors. And she liked how that looked, and she was wondering if they're looking for a colorist. She wanted something a little different from Shutter. So I was like, oh, let's. So she came to me, you know. Um, and then she also learned that I had done editorial work. And um, so she hired me on as the editor as well. She was like, right. well, you can do both of these things. And you're good at both. Why not just do both? And I was like, that sounds great. Um, right. <laughs> so I work with Layla. She does all the line art, and I do the colors. Uh, and I'm always really happy with how it turns out. And Layla loves. She's so nice to me about it. <laughs> she's right. Like, and it's just so fun to work together. Uh, we all feel like a, a team. We communicate really well on the project. And so yeah, it's a. It's going to be an 11 issue run. Uh, the first trade is out now. Um, and uh, so uh, the second trade will be out at the uh, beginning of next year with issues, of course, in between. You'll be getting as the um, starting in September or starting next week, the issue seven okay. will be out. It's a monthly series. So this trade that, that I have right here, so this is issues one through six? Yes. And then uh, five through 11 will be in the trade uh We'll be in the trade uh, next year, so but you'll the issues will be out before then, and so yeah, we're uh, really excited to how things are turning out, and I feel like with every issue we keep getting better, you know. Awesome. Now, what is the general storyline for people who want to get into Sleepless? What is that hook that you could tell them right now? Yes. Uh, so Sleepless is the story of Poppy, the illegitimate daughter of a king of this uh, Renaissancean. Uh, kingdom of harmony and she's protected by a sleepless night and the sleepless night is a um a sect of knights that has a spell cast on them that they cannot sleep they so they're always on guard no matter what hour very on the is. nose it yes. works checks out <laughs> perfect yep. um but that of course has its drawbacks you know mm-hmm. so um uh he starts having problems with hallucinating mm. but it's at the same time after the king dies um poppy has to 
strategically work our way through a court because there are a lot of assassination attempts and right. worries that you know certain people don't want her to try to ascend to power um, things like that so um, all while all of this chaos is happening they start falling in love with each other so it's just chaos and all these levels coming to a head and um, you have this crazy cliffhanger at the end of the first volume that is ah. shows how all these things just uh, explode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now with Image Comics, I mean, we were talking about it before. Mm-hmm. I love Image just because they really care about creators. You know, they care about those original ideas. So with your experience with Image, talk about kind of the, the freedom almost that you feel with working with things like that. Do you feel less boundaries and that creative energy is different than other projects? Yeah, totally, totally. So, um, Image, you know, they, uh, we are our own team. Like, you know, Layla and Sarah wanted to work together. So they chose to work together rather than someone saying, I want you two people to work together. Mm-hmm. So they chose together and they chose who they wanted on their team. They chose me as the editor and colorist, of course, which that, you know, that wouldn't happen in, you know, a contracted <laughs> book. Right. Um, and they also had, uh, they chose Darren Bennett to be our letterer. And so we all worked together really cohesively because we all had the choice to work together and we all right. work on this project because we care about the project. Um, and so I think that gives us a lot of freedom to be able to make a lot of these choices that, um, like we can do what we want with the story or how we want to tell the story um, because this is, you know, completely our vision. So, and, and I think that's, it's, it's a great, I, I see a lot of comics becoming like that in the future um, with it being a lot more freeform. You get so many different unique stories because you're not trying to fit within a brand mm-hmm. that's, you know, 50 some years old or whatever. So you, you're you creating can, your own brand and identity as it is happening. Exactly. So you get things that are just completely from scratch that can just take off, you know, and become the hugest new thing and has, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to fit into a lore. You make your own. Very cool. And then, so where can people find the most up-to-date information on all of the projects that you are working on, your social media handles? Yes. So you can follow me on my social media. I have an Instagram and a Twitter, both by under the um, name Solitaire, at Solitaire. So S-A-L-L-A-T-A-I-R-E. It's a, it's a pun on my last name, <laughs> right. the word Solitaire. <laughs> I like and it. And then uh, my website is just uh, AlyssaSalah.com or also Asala.com. They both direct to the same place, if you can't spell my name. <laughs> right. Excellent. Well, all of that will be in the show notes below so people can click through. So kind of last words about your projects. What would you say is kind of the main thing, the main message that you want to get through and all of your various works that you do and all the various hats that you wear (laughs) as an independent producer? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to say, you know, I I always try to stay sincere and try to work on projects that really, you know, mean something and that feel really fresh and um, something that feels true to what what I find to be beautiful and to find that it means something and can change something for some people. So um, if you like something that feels kind of sincere, uh, definitely look look up my look into my stuff and follow what we're doing with like Sleepless or any of the other projects I'm working on. Um, I'm really excited about the things I'll be working on in the next uh, year or so. So yeah. And Silk and Metal will be in stores soon as well as the individual issues for sleepless yes exactly Excellent. well thank you so much Alyssa, for for taking the time thank in the you. middle of the, the con <laughs> floor and i look forward to everything you have coming up for sure thanks have a good one thank you so thank you so much uh to Alyssa for making the time to talk about her books 
really great. I'm excited to pick up her next anthology series. Both of these books are done by Image. Image, anybody who has listened to the podcast knows that I'm a huge fan of Image Comics because they're creator-owned, creator-driven. They really have this kind of hands-off approach. You come to them with a project and your team, and they're like, hey, this is what I want to do. Once they say yes and they go through that process, then it is on you. It succeeds or fails, and it is on you. Awesome. Love that. Um, And then shout out to a couple other artists that I bought some stuff from. Uh, Robot of the Day. uh, Dot me. And I grabbed his card, but I don't know where it is. But I definitely put the link in the show notes. Super cute art of various robots. Uh, I also picked up some prints from Jeff Carpenter. He does this awesome thing with animals where he did a picture of a robin in a Robin costume, like Batman and Robin. Wait, I'm not following you. Right. <laughs> Along with some like words to go with it. Super cool and just unique. I'd not seen his stuff before, so I bought some stuff from him. Uh, shout out to Jeff from Elite Comic Source. He is my guy. I see him at pretty much every con. I always spend a ton of money at his comics booth. Uh, my big score for this year, or for this con was Daredevil number seven, which is the first appearance of the red suit Daredevil. That's no, the best suit. It really is. Well, the one before that was also pretty cool. It was yellow and then just a red torso. Yeah, I'm not. I gotta go for the red yeah. suit. Yeah. So the red is just great. I picked up like X-Men number 32, just some other really cool books. And Jeff always uh, just has the best stuff and treats me really well. So nice. uh, yeah, shout out to him. Uh, all right. So that was pretty much it for... Rose City Comic Con, I highly recommend, like I say, at every con I go to, find the con in your town or around your town. If you live in a smaller town that might not have one, check it out. Even if you just buy a day pass, going there, experiencing the geekiness, the camaraderie, and this year had some phenomenal cosplay. The camaraderie? The camaraderie. Oh, oh, my bell is out of reach. (laughs) Um... But yeah, it is, just, know. <laughs> it is just really solid. So I encourage people to just go and experience that. Um, and yeah, just even if you go for one day and you sit in one area and you just get to see everything around you solid. So that was for Rose City Comic Con. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, okay. The first movie review on the docket for this episode is Peppermint starring Jennifer Garner. Tasty. Directed by Pierre Morel. Um, so this basically is just a flat-out revenge movie. Uh, through some machinations, Jennifer Garner's husband and daughter, and this is not a spoiler alert, it literally is in the trailer and all of the marketing material. Her husband and daughter get killed in a drive-by. She then takes it upon herself to become the hero of Skid Row, essentially. Jane Wick. Pretty much, uh, but <laughs> yeah, uh, and kind of go after the people responsible, the men responsible for this tragedy. From tragedy to then when she, I mean, the movie starts in the present day where she is kind of on a current mission and then a flashback to what happened. Then it picks up again. Five years, you know, has been the distance between the incident and when she comes back to start taking out everybody. If you remember movies like Death Proof with Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah, yeah. It had just as much problems as that. Mm. As in, this is a Jennifer Garner-led action movie where dozens 
of nameless, faceless, brown people, stereotypical oh. Mexican gang dealer, gang runners, are just murdered. Just slaughtered wholesale. Slaughtered. Um, that is kind of problematic. Minty. Um, I specifically did not see the latest death proof mm-hmm. because of that. Because yeah. I knew that that was going to happen. That is not something that I want to see, need to see. Here's the thing. Russians are the bad guys again, just like in the 80s. Congratulations. We've come full circle. <laughs> right. There's a new Predator movie out. Russians are the bad guys. Pretty much. <laughs> like, I mean, and I, and I kind of hate to say it, but at the same time, movies like that are more, would be more palatable almost. Mm. Seeing her just gun down these stereotypical Mexican gang members, mm-hmm. I was real tired of it within the first 10 minutes. Oh. Of, of the action set pieces. Uh, speaking of the action, mm-hmm. Jennifer Garner, people kind of forget because they see her in a bunch of pseudo-successful rom-coms lately. She did Elektra. She did Daredevil. She did Alias before that. So she has some legitimate acting or action chops. Um, I don't know if you can say that with Elektra in this and in the same sentence. <laughs> I, I'm saying she can she can make it look like she is at least decent at some things. She is not a martial artist. She has Fair never enough. claimed to be. Yep. She has never claimed to be a stunt woman. So that kind of plays into this. There are times that I mean, and if you follow her on Instagram, like she trained her butt off, which is great, and I and I really appreciate and I respect that dedication. But <laughs> I could tell two different stunt devils multiple times. Oh, really? One of them was significantly broader on the shoulders. So whenever there would be like a hip toss or a shoulder throw and it would be Jennifer Garner. And then as soon as she turned around, <laughs> her shoulder, her shoulder suddenly got five inches wider. Jimmy Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so, and again, she is not a stunt woman. She is not a professional martial artist. I get it. You're going to have that. You, or rather, you're not going to have that kind of immediate visceral connection Unlike somebody like Keanu Reeves. Right. Who, once he started really getting action, he has been training in jujitsu. He has been training in martial arts. He has been training in practical. He knows kung fu. He does know kung fu. In practical, modern gun gunsmithing. Not gunsmithing. That would be making it. Um, <laughs> they might do that too. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? It is Keanu Reeves. But like, he has been training consistently for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. So when you see him in John Wick doing some of the stuff, you're like, okay, like I believe it. Yeah. With Jennifer Garner, there are parts when I know that she is doing it because she showed the behind the scenes stuff. There's other parts where it really just takes me out of it when it is such a distinctive mm-hmm. difference. Yeah. And changing up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a really random cameo uh, by somebody who I was not expecting and I'm glad that they did not put him in any of the trailers or any of the marketing. So as the cops are kind of trying to figure out this vigilante, why are all of these gang members dying? What are they connected to? Go on. You know, they start doing all this method man shows up oh, as okay. a cop. <laughs> like, as soon as he shows up and he shows up like just a regular cop entering a scene. He's like, you know, I think the blah, blah, blah. And it was like, what, what, what? How did you just <laughs> show up like halfway through the movie? It was super weird. But okay. Yeah. Um, so again, you have the local cops in LA trying to figure out why this is happening. The feds then get involved because they flagged 
her character. Uh, let me pull it so up. So this isn't a one night like. Oh no, this is a mission. Ooh. And so Riley North is her character who disappears for years, and she's gone south. But right. Um, what is funny is if you continually go north, you will end up going south. If you continually go west, you will never end up going east. <laughs> Mind blown. Um, so anyway, huh. so she kind of disappears. So the feds get involved because like maybe she robbed this bank and she up on Interpol. But then where did she gain these skills? Where did she gain this knowledge? Guess what? We never find out. What? We never see like a mentor. We never see. You don't see her doing like P90 killing X, you know, we, <laughs> we see her in one cage fight <laughs> for like 30 seconds. And it was like, what? okay, but who trained her? Like she is a master of all these weapons. Does so she have like a husband and a kid and she just does cage fights? Just, well, no, this is after, this is oh, after sorry, she, sorry. after they get murdered. But it was like, we'd never find out. We never get that kind of origin story mm-hmm. of this, which granted again, to compare to John wick, in those movies, we ne- it was all mystery. It was always like, he killed six guys right. with a pencil. Well, that's to build up the mythos. Exactly. Yeah. This, it was, oh, she was doing this. Here's a video of her cage fighting. And it kind of leads you to be like, oh, is it going to show where I'm a part of the... Nope. Nothing. It just, it goes nowhere. That's disappointing. Um, one of the actors in this... Uh, I almost said Jacob Tremblay. Nope. He is in a different movie. <laughs> um... Let me find out who he... Oh, Richard Richard Cabral. He was in Breaking In, which was another movie about a mom trying to protect her family. Hmm. He was kind of the unkillable Mexican gang member in that movie. He has kind of the same thing in this one. The thing that I can respect about him, similar to Danny Trejo, mm-hmm. he spent time in prison. Like all of the tattoos that he has on his neck and everything, like he was affiliated with gang activity back then, spent some time in prison, Turned his life around uh, through the homeboy homeboy industries, which is this program where it's like, okay, what are what is next? Right. So I can definitely respect kind of his his path, his trajectory. I just I want to see more diversity in these type of movies. He was nominated for like a an Emmy at what like a daytime Emmy or primetime Emmy for one of his roles. It just it is hard to see. <laughs> some of that representation on screen when it just it's the bad guy and they're getting yeah. murdered yeah so that was just that was my major fault with this movie is that it just it is jennifer garner just killing a bunch of mexicans <laughs> um that should have been the tagline <laughs> right at one point also the script is atrocious oh atrocious oh, see you're just making me mad that i missed this uh, <laughs> at one point one of the the it. officers, yeah. you know, is trying to find out where Jennifer Garner is coming from and, you know, location wise, because yeah. they're like, all right, where in the city does not have as much crime? Because that means she has been enacting her vengeance <laughs> and protecting people. So this detective, the detective is a key word there. Uh-huh. They detect things. Wait, what? So she parks her car on Skid Row in L.A., pulls up her phone to show the GPS and her GPS dot is blinking Skid Row. She was like. Oh, she looks around. It was like, how do you not know you are on Skid Row? <laughs> like, you are a detective in L.A. I have only been to L.A. a couple times. I could show you where Skid Row is. <laughs> like, and just so she parks and then looks at her phone for the GPS uh, and it just yes. bleeps on Skid Row. <laughs> and it was like, come on. So that just, that was, that was a problem. It is a straightforward revenge movie. 
dialogue is trash in the eighties. Like the action movies that I grew up with, like the Cynthia Rothrock, mm-hmm. you know, action movies that were super cheesy and dumb. Yeah. If the current crop of them, like atomic blonde breaking in peppermint is the direction we were going. It is a step in the right direction. Okay. More female centered action movies is a good thing. Sure. They have to get better. Right. Cause atomic blonde was pretty solid. Like, I, I liked a lot of Atomic Blonde. It's based off the graphic novel. So I liked that. This just just fails uh, in, in a lot of ways. It's a good step that you can have <laughs> the failure. They just kind of throw money at, yeah, we'll just make a vehicle yeah. for Jennifer Gardner. We've come to this place that, you know, women can make bad movies too, John. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, the fight choreography was decent. Right. Um, a lot of it was shot at night. And not like John Wick. Again, I got to go back to it. Actually, Atomic Blonde sure. is a better example. Yeah, it's a yeah. focus on a female-centered action movie. Those films, those fight scenes that were filmed at night had really interesting lighting choices. Like, that was one of my favorite parts about Atomic Blonde. It had neons, and it was really clever. This, when it is a fight at night, is dark. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, you cannot tell what is going on. I get it. Jennifer Gardner can't fight. I, I mean... But she trained. And so I at least get, I will give her that respect that she that she trained. Um, at one point, the media, <laughs> this is one of my favorite words. This is not even, yeah, this is not even really a spoiler mm. on this, you know, fake news channel. Uh, fake news. Li- literally like Hashtag. fictional news <laughs> channel in the movie. All right. You know, uh, <laughs> John Trump, uh, you know, when they're reporting on these killings that are happening around town, <laughs> this reporter says, um, you know, as much as the public is is with this vigilante, the law might be against her. <laughs> might be against her? She murders people. I mean, isn't that basically the definition of a vigilante? <laughs> it's like, but it was just like, it does not matter how much the public can love you as this woman championing, you know, the cause of this, you know, revenge, blah, blah. You still murder people. <laughs> That feels like, like the moment in every superhero movie where it's like, and some people are calling him the Spider-Man. Pretty much. <laughs> um, this movie also has the audacity to set up a sequel. Oh, yeah? Come on. Like, no. Spearmint. No. <laughs> Double mint. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> yeah. I'm so angry with myself. Yeah, there you go. That was too, ah, I should have. In your face. <laughs> oh, John. Double mint. Um, yeah, so. If this is your first time listening to this podcast because you met me at Rose City Comic Con and you wanted to listen to the podcast. I'm sorry. The the rating system for films and TV shows on this podcast, there are only three choices. Good, bad, or ugly. A good film was something that you would recommend to a friend that you came out of the theater and you're like, all right, cool. That was pretty solid. Bad, you do not regret sitting in the theater for a couple hours, but it was not something that really hooked you or that you wanted to kind of spread the word. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Uh, Peppermint, starring Jennifer Garner, directed by Pierre Morel. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot in good conscience give this a bad. This isn't ugly. Ooh. Because as, like, if you are interested in the fight choreography, just go to Jennifer Garner's Instagram. Mm. Like she has actually really stepped up her social media game or whoever is on her team. And they're posting clips of the choreography. Like, just watch that. That is better than this movie. Mm. The killing of nameless, faceless, stereotypical Mexican gang members. Just stop. Just do not do it. 
I'm saying that at the same time, I also advocated for the nameless, faceless Russian, <laughs> you know, um, hey, you gotta keep it enemies. topical. So, but yeah, it just, it gets an ugly. So did um, peppermint give you a not so fresh feeling? It definitely did not. No, it, it yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, the next movie on the docket is a horror movie as part of the Conjuring. Candyman. French. No, not oh, Candyman. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> as part of the Conjuring franchise, this is the latest in the Conjuring cadre of, of films uh, <laughs> called The Nun, directed by Corin Hardy. Now, anybody who has been watching The Conjuring or the Annabelle movies, this is the prequel to all of those films. So, and it kind of sets up the character that we saw in a lot of the movies kind of in the background or in a picture frame. You'd see this creepy nun. And they, so they've been building this for a while. So this is that story Mm. of kind of where that demonic presence kind of came from. Okay. So (laughs) after you build something up for multiple movies in multiple, like not just like one conjuring they're like, oh, who is that creeping on? The-? Nah, multiple movies. Well, especially horror movies when it's like the more you know, the less scary the thing is. Right. And so you layer and layer. And they've been mentioning this character. I was excited for this movie. I talked about it on social media. If a movie has a Catholic demonic bent to it or religious bent in general, I'm almost 100% going to be there just because of my own background. I just I find it fascinating. So I was already on board. Uh, So this movie has a very, very small main cast with just a few people telling the story of this Abbey that then a priest is sent to kind of basically not exercise, but just figure it out, investigate. So, and the priest is uh, Damien Bacar, Bisher, not sure. He is a fantastic Mexican actor. Uh, So he played Father Burke, Taisa Farmiga, played Sister Irene, and Jonas Bluket played Frenchie. That pretty much is your main cast. Sure. Like there are, there are not many other, there are some other side characters, but those are the three we really focus on. When you have a small cast and you're trying to tell an in-depth story, everything needs to be on point. It was not. Mm. Um, That's a shame. I was really hoping for this one. I mean, so was I. This movie just proves though, jump scares are not enough. Yeah. You can have as many jump scares as you want as long as it is a solid story. Annabelle Creation from last year blew me away. Like I was legitimately impressed with that movie. And yeah, it was a it relied a lot on jump scares. But it had a compelling story, compelling performances, and it kind of led you into the jump scares in interesting ways. Hmm. This with the jump scares combined with another script that is atrocious, oh. like, I mean, painfully bad. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Jed and I were talking about this before we were recording. When I used to have a bunch of people over frequently for like scary movie nights at my place in college, we would then right after the movie, watch whose line is it anyway? As a palate cleanser. Yeah, you got to detox. Exactly. So laughter when watching a horror movie in general is kind of a natural reaction because you're kind of tricking yourself. Right. You're like, ah, yeah, how silly, right? <laughs> this movie, the theater, was uproariously laughing at parts that were not Ooh. meant for laughter multiple times. Not just once, when it was like, oh, whew, that was not what I thought. Like, 
that oh, nervous laughter. That jump scare was actually the dog. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Mm. Um, one line of dialogue. Go on. Uh, and he uses profanity, so I will not actually say the real thing. But somebody finds a finds a an artifact, mm. a, a relic. Okay. <laughs> so they find the MacGuffin. Sure. They th- see this thing. One of the character goes, "Holy bleep! Holy poop!" Uh-huh. Right. The other character goes, "The holiest." <laughs> <laughs> the theater lost their mind laughing so hard rightfully so if that's oh yeah yeah laughing so hard there were lines of you could see the people talking nobody could hear what they were saying because people were laughing so hard (laughs) like a turd in the wind (laughs) i mean it was it was bad uh one of the characters uh frenchy right from the beginning mentions that you know he is french canadian sure for no reason like just you know they were like oh are you from france he was like i'm french canadian and it was like Okay, <laughs> cool. That comes back up in the movie when somebody was like, oh, you know, what now, Frenchman? And he goes, I'm French-Canadian. As like this act of defiance. And it was like, <laughs> wait, what? Um, I mean, I do know people from French... Canada. Yeah, yeah. Canada, that, those parts. They are very... Very picky about not yes. being associated directly with the French. I mean, it, it is pride, and I understand to that. To their credit. But if, like, it just... Yeah, not quite <sighs> the, uh, a little heavy-handed, maybe. Yeah. Uh, speaking of heavy-handed... Oh. It, this movie ties very, very well into The Conjuring and stuff like that, but almost too much. Gotcha. Like, to the point where it starts with some clips of The Conjuring, and you're yeah. like, all right, cool establishes kind of where we are how this is connected it ends with clips of the conjuring as well and during the movie so i mean i should say that uh taisa formiga is the sister of the woman in conjuring vera formiga (laughs) that makes sense there are parts in this movie that heavily lean into something that just never plays out hmm that might connect these two, but it just, it was not handled well. Um, I haven't seen the movie, like a sisterhood relationship. Kind yes. Of, okay. Because the act, the real actresses are sisters. Sure. There are things that happen in this movie that might imply some sort of connection. Well, nuns also refer to each other as sisters, which, which I mean, they kind oh of, kind of play into that as well. <laughs> but again, if we're figuring this out as I'm watching the movie, like, you're missing something like something mm-hmm. is not connecting uh it was filmed pretty well there are some creepy moments like for sure but again just the jump scares are not enough and you get used to the jump scares yeah it uses them so often that they're just telegraphed uh one of the best jump scares of last year was an annabelle creation under the staircase you see the creepy doll you know and the the character the little girl sees the doll looks away like out into the uh, living room area, looks back and the camera is still focusing on the doll, but it starts like it just sits there and something behind the doll Mm. starts moving forward. You start to see like little like glowing eyes and it yanks the doll back. It earns it. Like the buy-in was right there. This movie just had none of it. You knew what was coming 
every time. So, uh, yeah, small cast. So, I mean, I talked about them. Um, as far as the future of this franchise, they're going to keep making all of these movies. The tie-in. Another one. <laughs> nice. Bell's nice. out of reach. So I'm going for them as many as I yeah. can. I got to get it in now, John. Another one. Yeah. No, I like that. That was good. Um, they're going to keep making these. This, I mean, as as much as Annabelle creation kind of brought me back in, mm-hmm. this one damn near kicked me out. Mm. Um, That's unfortunate. Yeah. So uh, my official rating for The Nun. Ugly. Uh. It just, it. this is a movie where you can watch it at home on your phone, on your iPad. You d- do not go out and spend a bunch of money. They're saying, oh, the scariest movie in the Conjuring franchise. No, that was Annabelle Creation. Hmm. Like, flat out, that was the scariest. That was the most well-structured, well-done. Had a variety of scares. And so did, I mean, this one had a variety, but it just relied on the jump scare way too heavily. Um, and the atrocious dialogue. I mean, again... The theater should not be laughing that hard if your movie is not funny. I was a little worried about this when the YouTube ads are out and they're like, oh, we had our our ad banned by YouTube for being too scary. Yeah, because all it was was a jump scare. Right. And so it's like like, they're relying on this a little too much. There was They did a really clever marketing one where uh, people went into this kind of back room and they were looking at a mirror. Yes. And the nun came there and they're like, ah, and they turn around. There's a real person in the room. Clever. Because you get him twice. Oh, yeah. You see that in the trailer, though, for this movie, where she is walking down a corridor, and there's a nun behind her. She stops. As she turns, she sees the nun behind her, leans in a little bit, and then somebody from the side gets her. Mm. Cool. Solid jump scare. Stop using them every five minutes. So, yeah, it, it gets it gets an ugly. That's a shame. Uh, now to a movie that both of us have seen. Yay! Uh, that we just got out of mere moments ago. Uh, how about you lead us into The Predator? The Predator, uh, a sort of sequel to... I mean, uh, pretty much yeah, di- direct, direct sequel. Yeah, direct sequel. To the long list of Predator films, mm-hmm. um, directed by Shane Black, mm-hmm. starring Boyd Holbrook, Trevante mm-hmm. uh, Rhodes, Jacob Trimbley, Keegan-Michael Key, mm-hmm. who apparently got the, the other end of the, the monkey's paw that Jordan Peele has. Which is funny because Jordan Peele's production company is Monkey Pop Production. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, I got this. Mm-hmm. Sterling K. Brown, mm-hmm. Thomas Jane. Yeah. So, uh, Alfie Allen. Alfie Allen. And then, of course, John's favorite actress of all uh. time, Olivia Munn. He literally <laughs> growled when she came on screen for the first time. It just, just, uh, she is just terrible. She is so, so <laughs> bad. <sighs> but yeah. like Boyd, Boyd Holbrook, I like him. Yeah. I've liked him and a few things. He was Pierce and Logan mm-hmm. as kind of this menacing, not not mutant hater because he kind of had some stuff, but like he just, he mutant was just solid. hunter, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mutant hunter. Like he, he play- was good in this. Yeah. So he uh, plays basically a uh, army ranger mm-hmm. sniper. Yep. Green Beret. Um, whose uh, unit's basically taken out by a predator when their ship crashes and the government recovers the crash ship and has kind of... Um, taking him in and kind of try to play him as the uh, the fall guy for his entire squad mm-hmm. being killed off um so he kind of meets this other group with keegan mike and michael excuse me keegan michael key and all them mm-hmm. uh alfie allen all them uh as like these kind of uh, uh group two i believe they're called mm-hmm. of these uh, kind of 
soldiers with various mental problems, issues. Yeah, all of them have some sort of story right. that has led them to a special kind of psych eval type of scenario. And with his character, they basically they they recognize it right away. They're like, okay, they need a fall guy, yep. and that's you. Yep. Uh, you know, army ranger sniper with PTSD. Oh, and do you happen to see an alien? Sure, buddy. <laughs> sure. And your whole squad is dead? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his kid, uh, Boyd Holbrook's character, uh, McKenna, mm-hmm. his kid, uh, Roy, who uh, is on the spectrum, mm-hmm. um, Asperger's or something, I think they mentioned, uh, basically starts uh, has received some of this alien tech, some of the Predator tech, mm-hmm. and the Predator whose ship crashed is kind of out to recover his stuff. And mm-hmm. things go a little, you know, stabby, stabby, skull, spine ripped out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it earns that R rating. Oh, does it ever hard? <laughs> Do you remember when? So an Alien versus Predator Requiem. Yes. Which? So yes, this this movie is the third. So it references eighty seven and yeah. ninety seven. That's true. Which is Predator one or Predator two? Does not mention Alien versus Predator or Alien versus Predator Requiem. And it doesn't re- mention necessarily uh, uh, Adrian Brody's Predator either. A- yeah, that was Predators. Right. Uh, which makes sense. I was on a different planet, so I mean that one, you know. Yeah. But in Alien vs. Predator Requiem, mm-hmm. they had this red band trailer that was almost so blighted that they could not even release it. This one, man, they go for it. Which, you know, if you're making a Predator movie, if one of its main weapons is like a disc that spins out and like cuts people in half and yeah. things that shoot and out and stab people and hang Blades them. on his arm. Yeah. It's but it's going to be a little. But they just lean into it. I think every person who dies, they kind of like they ask the question: How's like the kind of gruesomest way we can kill this person off? As far as the what the kills of the predator is involved yes, in, that's fair. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Wow. <laughs> what it reminded me of, though, and first of all, if if you are interested in seeing this movie, regardless of our rating that we'll mm. get to later, do not watch the latest trailer. Mm. I told Jed before we saw this, like a week ago, when they dropped the last trailer, I was like, do not watch it. As I'm watching the trailer, I was like, there's a third act reveal, and there's a third act reveal. Like, they just, they give way too much away in the latest trailer. Mm-hmm. The the kind of super predator that we see in, in all of the trailers, pretty much, this huge 11 and a half foot tall predator reminded me of Thanos mm. in the sense of, if you can turn people to bubbles... And if you can do all of this stuff, why fight anybody hand-to-hand? Mm-hmm. Why? It makes no sense. Thanos, it was just ego. It was whatever. The whole fight kind of in Wakanda, like, that could have been two seconds. Sure. In this movie, the super predator who has this giant, you know, bladed arm, he kills one person just by stabbing them. Like up through the up, floor. <laughs> up through the floor and up through... Groinal region? Groinal regions. And, like, behind him, like, just nonchalant, just stabs. Yep. The next person he kills, he stabs them. They fall on the ground. He picks them up and stabs them, like, 17 more times in the stomach. It was like, why? <laughs> you have a shoulder-mounted can. Actually, no, he does not have a shoulder-mounted no, can. He, he, has, he has the arm Oh, no, thingy. he does, because he has the... the oh, no, wait. Yeah. He, no, he, he has some other yeah, tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, he has other ways of killing people. But, man, like, he just... If if you are that big, that strong, you have an easy way to kill somebody, even if it is for sport, 
Why? <laughs> well, the, the the very first predator, the very at the very mm-hmm. beginning of the movie, it's like two minutes in. You, it is revealed because it's you know it's doing its cloaking, jumping mm-hmm. around the yep, jungle, yep. you know, laughing, all that kind of stuff. It's revealed when the blood of a person who is literally cut in half, yeah. hanging above it, dribbles down and reveals the face of the predator, even though he's kind of invisible, but there's like blood dripping down. And yep. that's the reveal of like the baby predator, coated in blood, <laughs> like coated. And it just goes, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Does that? That was one thing that. And again, it is not that I'm necessarily squeamish or anything. Yeah. This is just violence for violence sake in, in just kind of unnecessary ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob Tremblay, the the young boy, fantastic. Uh, I mean, this kid is a star, like already with Room, Wonder, uh, Life of David Henry, Henry mm-hmm. David, something like that. Like he is, is solid already mm-hmm. and, is, and can only really go up. I like this cast. Yeah. A lot. Thomas Jane. It's great. Huge fan of Thomas Jane. Although he has a weird, not a weird, he has a tick. Yeah. Or a few ticks <laughs> that completely disappear in the third act. We do not see them. And again, they kind of well, maybe explain uh, a little bit. I mean, they, they, he has Tourette's. His character has Tourette's. Yes. Uh, yeah. With that, it, it can come and go. And, you know, in those third act where it's very uh, focused you know, and not just relax. You know, sometimes they can kind of yeah power when, when you have when you have something to focus on, right? But it was just like it just drops completely. Bit, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Keegan Michael Key is great. Sterling K. Brown mm-hmm. is great for whatever reason. This is just the week of terrible scripts. Yeah, this script. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I can only blame Olivia Munn's terrible acting for so much of it. Yeah. Even as a terrible actress, given terrible lines, that is a tough road. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a that is double jeopardy right there. Well, Sterling uh, Michael, uh, sorry, Sterling K. Brown, Sterling K. Brown. Um, he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, he's great. Legitimately uh, great yeah, actor. Uh, this is, is it. This is us. Uh, this is the, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, fantastic actor. He is just going like, I get to be the bad guy. I'm gonna chew everything. Mm-hmm. And just goes to town chewing on the scenery. Literally almost every other line is curse filled mm-hmm. with this movie. It is funny. I will say like unex- I was very unexpected Un- how funny it is and like, how much of a comedy it is. And they meant to, they yeah. meant for it to be yeah, yeah. unlike the nun where it was funny, but they were not trying for that. Like legitimately there are setup, punchline, joke, mm-hmm. setup, punch, like, you know, they, they planned those moments out and when they happen, they are legitimately funny. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I wrote down, um, so the, <laughs> the, this is tough because again, they really, they revealed a lot in the last trailer, but I know a lot of people avoid trailers, so I will not really get into that so much. The music in this mm-hmm. was one of the most out of place scores yes. I have heard in a long time. This is basically an Indiana Jones style soundtrack. Yeah, it felt very John Williams. It was very yeah. weird. Like I was just waiting for like dun 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 dun. Yeah, that, like it is bizarre. The intro, you see a little bit of like some predator ships and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It it sound it looked like a Star Wars movie. Yeah, like, it looked like like you know the opening to like uh, uh the first Star uh, New Hope. Mm-hmm. You know, with the kind of sweeping trumpets and all that. Yeah, and then they land on the planet, or not, I mean, they land here, and then the story goes from there. 
same thematic yeah. musical tones. Weird. Very like, strange. It just, and it did not work. Like there, and I, again, we do not need some futuristic thing where you have to invent some new stuff, but just the tones of this. If I heard that music on an Indiana Jones style movie, on just, I would say an adventure mm-hmm. movie, it would make sense. On a sci-fi thriller, almost horror right. action movie does not make sense. Yeah, it, it and it was distracting. <laughs> it definitely the I think the movie kind of suffered because tonally it shifted so much. <laughs> yes, you know it would be like these really funny moments, and they like the camaraderie between the group of that the 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 group two uh, mm-hmm. was well done. They kind it was of well done, except when certain people straight up disappear. Yeah, for like twenty minutes at a time. Yeah, and the and again I I hate this in a lot of movies. When a person, mm-hmm. I use the example of Littlefinger in season four of Game of Thrones, how do you just teleport from all of these places that are massive distances away? Mm. And this is not an alien with some tech doing this. This is just a person mm-hmm. who happens to always find their way back. Two different characters did that mm-hmm. in this. One made no sense whatsoever. Um, the the four-legged oh, yeah, yeah. thing. <laughs> I, I haven't seen the trailers. Is that revealed in the trailers at all? There are, yeah, you do see some predogs, predogs <laughs> in in the trailers. That is a <sighs> such a strange tonally how those things are treated. So bizarre. So from like from horror, like in shadows, killer mm-hmm. dog things to my pet monster. Yeah, <laughs> and back and forth, and then they just kind of are there and then gone. Yep. We'd never get a resolution for that. Oh, we, we, you just, I, yeah. <laughs> so, and then one of the human characters also just manifests mm-hmm. everywhere. Even when we see something traversing miles, five minutes later, here's this person in the middle of the action. Yep. Uh, no. <laughs> and yes, in a lot of these movies, just like the old eighties action movies that I love and I grew up with, you do kind of turn your brain off. Mm-hmm. We're now older. Movies have changed. Yeah. Action movies have changed. It is harder to then kind of just switch that off. Um, there is a moment, and this is towards the beginning, so it's not a huge spoiler. Uh, in all of the movies, the Predator uses kind of the voice changing thing to mimic and chooses different words and right. everything. Cool. That makes sense. Almost every time it was done through observation and then repetition. The Predator at one point grabs someone's arm and give somebody a thumbs up. Oh yeah, that's what? <laughs> when did you see that? And how did you think? Well, that follow that follows this really kind of moment where he just slaughters, mm-hmm. murks some guys, and just full on, you know, heads chopped off. All these this bloody massacre, mm-hmm. and then the guy driving the truck is like, "You okay back there?" And the predator <laughs> sticks a hand out with the thumb up, and it's like. What is this? What, what tone are we going for here? I mean, again, and it was like legitimately funny, but it was also like that's the predator doing that. That is, I mean, that is a slapstick joke. Yeah, that is a, you know, you are in the alley and you wave the doll, like the mannequin hand, to signal that, like, yeah, come on. See <laughs> so yeah, the tone is just and all over the place. Moments like that, too. yeah. <laughs> uh, the dialogue had a better chance of killing you than the predator did. Hey. Um Oh. Like it 
it was just it was weird. It was just super weird. They layer in a lot of ideas, mm-hmm. a lot, almost a confusing amount. I'd say that go nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> and Olivia Munn's character is this biologist. Um. Okay. So first, xenobiologist John, <laughs> right? With the with the Rock, Dwayne mm. the Rock Johnson. Never heard of him. Rampage. So he is this zoologist uh, who you know runs a zoo. Oh, he happens to be special forces. Right, Green Beret. Did, did we forget to mention that? <laughs> Olivia Munn's character is a biologist who, when action starts, immediately like grabs a rifle, has a backpack, is climbing, is jumping. And I was like, what What biologists are you around <laughs> where that is a skill set they have? And it, all it would take is one line of dialogue be like, oh, after her PhD. She was in the military she, for she a served, bit. Like, one line. Without that watching her effortlessly in all these action scenes is just weird. Well, they, they, they explain away her presence in this movie was, I wrote a letter to the president when I was six <laughs> saying that I, you know, wanted to study aliens basically. Uh, she said a- oh. animals. Sorry. And if you ever find animals from space, let, let me, me know. know. And then became, and wrote a paper on possible extraterrestrial life. And then they've had this, predator incident and so they call her and they're like mm-hmm. yeah they cross-reference those two letters and it's like wait what <laughs> a, re- a letter that a six-year-old wrote to the white house saying she wants to do you know how many letters get right. sent to the white house <laughs> they just kept that on file that they could then cross-reference and be like yeah yeah let's call her all our other scientists that we've had recruited in these secret government labs for years mm-hmm. yeah let's grab her off the street and you know see yeah. what she thinks literally at a dog park yeah <laughs> and again they stayed like oh we'll make sure your dog gets taken care of hand down to the cute puppy that everyone gets oh we never see the dog again no (laughs) just why like why have it at a dog park why have her on the street why not go to her lab sure at a university or at a business be like like you can have that same exact scene anywhere why a dog park yeah it's just a meet like you're the you know you have this you the skill of sequencing dna or something something Mm -hmm. like that yeah I think I was watching the movie because I know how much you love Olivia Munn. <laughs> she, <laughs> I think the problem is she's very awkward physically. I, hmm. A lot of the action, she just seemed like she didn't know what to do, kind of just like body movement wise. Yeah. Um, and so it just read like I'm playing around with a Nerf gun, you mm. know, and not yeah. like I'm actually, which, and granted, it may have been right. kind of the reasoning with her character. But, but it is also called acting right like if you give a stunt person a pen and be like this is a dagger choreograph a fight scene right they make it look good i mean again john wick like he grabs stuff from all over the place and it takes a director and a fight choreographer and a stunt choreographer being like cool this is how it would look this is how you would move yeah everything with her yeah that is really good description it is just awkward yeah like it never really feels connected and granted neither to the rest of the team this is not just pick on olivia munn because she is terrible but she is um the rest of the the loonies as they call them this group too yeah also just show up random places with different vehicles with different abilities well a lot of the fighting is just like shooting just randomly into the trees you know there's no good like true action kind of toe-to-toe with the with the predator you know we get like one or two fight scenes, but they last 30 seconds. Yeah. Which is how long they should last. Sure. Because it's a super predator 
who uh, blow stuff up from orbit. Like, if you have this giant cloaked ship, why land on the planet and go toe-to-toe with anybody? Right. Find the base where they are, hover over it, blow parts of it up while you are still cloaked, drop down and be like, cool, let me just hack into this computer. Yep. So, that was just weird. The ending of this movie oh. is offensive <laughs> in the sense where they tease this possibility with like five different endings. Well, the whole movie, it's all about there's this MacGuffin. The yeah. Predator has something in his ship. Mm-hmm. It's a MacGuffin. It's, we don't know what it's for. We know what it's for. It's because of this. It's because of that. I don't know. Maybe this. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing with the Super Predator is all going for this thing that's in the Predator ship. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we see something and it like, as it is happening, the scene takes, first of all, Five times longer than it should. Forever. And as it is happening, I'm leaning over to Jed being like, maybe they could do this. And he's like, oh, maybe I could do this. Yeah. Maybe could, like back and forth. There were five different directions that I could think of. Oh, it, took, it took the sixth and the worst option. Well, it was, it was ranging from like cheesy, like callback to mm-hmm. all the way to like, oh, that's like cool. a legitimate like way that they could tie everything yeah. in. Oh, well, they brought this kind of cool, like, you know, because the original Predator, there's a big at the end they had the alien skull mm-hmm. and that's the kind of the thing that kickstarted really the whole aliens yeah. versus predator crossover yep. it was just that one little well we got sitting around in the prop closet oh there's this one from this alien movie mm-hmm. great let's put it on the wall that'd be cool and it kicked off this whole idea of the shared universe yeah and so they have this potential moment <laughs> to like oh we could do a whole new shared universe thing when this thing opens we can see what it is mm-hmm. and then it's like a wet fart it just it Man, it feels, and they they have so many callbacks. Mm-hmm. Jake Busey is yeah. in this <laughs> as kind of Gary Busey's character's son, and so like they they mention eighty seven, they mention ninety seven. Come on, like this, the way it ends, just, it just made me angry because <laughs> I was like, and people laughed. Yeah, like yes, of course. And again, I don't mean to sound all snooty. There are a lot of people when they go to the the premiere screen or the free screenings of these movies. They're just happy that they're there, that they get to see a movie a week, two weeks before they it comes out. So I'd be like, yeah, almost everybody in the audience just laughed. Yeah. And not yeah, it, it's not a funny <sighs> no. moment. And then it cuts like it was not even a fade out. A person says the last line and then it just drops. The score drops. The soundtrack drops. Five seconds. Credits. It reminded me <laughs> in a very similar way to the end of a uh, fan four stick. The, the the newest Fantastic oh, Four movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When it was like, ah, oh, that looks fantastic. What? Say that again? And like ends. And it, right, what is this? Yeah. Like it just ends and it like sets up a sequel so hard that it's yeah. like you're really reaching there. Uh, Avengers, the first Avengers movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he is in there and he was like, Avengers? And then it goes <laughs> to credits. Those can be clever. This just, a character says a thing and then it just hard cut. <laughs> hey, and... The thing, the MacGuffin mm-hmm. makes zero sense. Zero. <laughs> like if you look, think about back through the movie, it's like it makes absolutely yeah. no logical sense why any of this would be. Does not tie into anything that they were saying. Nope. Any of the little kind of breadcrumbs that they laid out. Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> and, and again, this scene is probably seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Like from beginning to then reveal, and man, they're just ha- they're just layering, 
and saying some really cool things that could lead to really cool possibilities. And you could feel Nothing. like the anticipation. But yeah, like I, said, I was legitimately like yeah. getting excited, yeah. mainly because we were talking about what could be happening. Oh, yeah. like, oh, oh this is it. Oh, that is gonna be, oh, it's gonna be this. It's gonna be that. Yeah. So uh, I think that is all of my notes. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing I really had was just that the the a lot of the CG for the, the especially the super predator mm-hmm. looked rough. It did. I will say the the because again anybody who listened to the episodes you know knows that i am a huge practical mm-hmm. makeup and effects person the predator design mm-hmm. that they settled on not the original one because the original one looked ridiculous you can see some behind the scenes stuff when jean claude van damme yeah. was in it the predator design the four mandibles and everything is still to this day one of the best creature concepts that's oh, great like it works to this day that said, with the super predator, this 11 and a half foot tall thing, and a lot of it is at night. Again, that was my complaint with other stuff. We never really get a lot of those moments like we had in the original predator when he first takes off his mask. And you see that and he screams and the four mandibles open it like incredible. Mm-hmm. This, it just feels wasted. Like you take this amazing creature design and you make a giant CGI style version that we never really see clearly when we do it is at weird angles. Like, come on. Yeah. 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 So, uh, four predator, the third in, in this series, because they, they significantly reference 8797. This is not an adaptation. This is not a prequel. This is a straight up sequel. What do you give the predator 2018 directed by Shane black? You know, for me, it, I want to go lean towards ugly, but I, I think I could go bad. I It doesn't quite go far enough in the ter- Like, I was still entertained. Like, if you go in and go in, like, it's a predator, it's going to be... And it's an action comedy, which is, sounds a, such a weird thing. If you can tolerate tolerate a predator movie being an action comedy, mm-hmm. it's enjoyable. There's some fun... You know, it's stupid. There's some fun <laughs> little bits to it. The, the like, like I said, the kind of back and forth kind of report between mm-hmm. the uh, the group two yeah you know it has a lot of humor to it so i i can't go i can't give it a good and i don't think it goes <laughs> i would <laughs> punch you in the face right now <laughs> yeah and i don't think it goes far enough into that territory to go ugly so i'm just gonna give it a bad okay uh i'm in the same boat the script is terrible mm-hmm. the cgi was pretty bad mm-hmm. they layer a lot of things that go nowhere there are still part like i I laughed a lot. Yeah. And again, in a movie that in parts that made sense to laugh. Yeah. Uh, some of the kills were pretty funny. <laughs> some of the dialogue was legitimately funny. Um, I, I, my pulse kind of did race a little bit towards the end, mm. thinking about the possibility of what could happen. And my pulse immediately steadied out. Um, so my, my official rating for the predator is bad also. Yeah. And yeah, it, if you're going to see this, just be prepared that tonally it does not make sense. The first Predator is just the most macho, ridiculous movie. Predator 2 introduced some humor in this quasi-futuristic 1997 because the movie came out in like, I want to say 92 mm-hmm. or 91. You know, but it, there were some hum- there was some humor in that. Predators with Adrian Brody is still the best one. Like that movie is solid. 
um, and introduced some just some really unique and cool concepts. This movie, yeah, it, it gets bad. Uh, all right, so those were the three big movies that are current or currently or will be in theaters uh, this weekend. Uh, now, the next movie is actually something interesting uh, that was sent to me. Renton City Comic Con, which I will be covering this upcoming weekend, is one of the first cons, at least that I know of, that was creating original content. So they made this short film. It was about 11 minutes, 10 minutes, uh, called Jameson. Uh, And yeah, produced, directed, and starring local actors. It was filmed up in Vashon Island, which is just gorgeous, woodsy area. Mm -hmm. This is a... uh, survivalist story yeah i would say survivalist slash isolationist story there's a weird there's a little bit of a mystery there you don't get the full picture really until the end mm-hmm. and yeah which in 10 minutes and i watch a lot of short films i'm a judge and sponsor of local short film competitions i watch a lot of these those are tough to do to have compelling characters compelling script in a short amount of time 10 minutes is is still, I mean, it is longer than some of them, but that is tough mm-hmm. to really layer characters. Um, I really enjoyed the way this was filmed. Filming outside, especially in the Pacific Northwest, in the woods. It rains here a lot. It rains here a lot, and it is just tough. I mean, Jed is a lighting guy. Mm-hmm. Lighting and getting lighting right. You can work in post effects and you can do all of that. You still have to shoot it the right way first. Everybody's like, oh, fix it in post. You can only do so much. So filming just in the woods mm-hmm. of Washington is a tough ask. But this is done really well. Yeah, it looks clean. It looks professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, the acting, I mean, this is, again, small cast. There were only four people in this. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, f- four. Five. Right. <laughs> four and a question mark. Um, as, this, as this man is just trying to go about his day-to-day routine, something happens. And he isn't reacting to it for the rest of the the film in a kind of just isolationist mentality Mm -hmm. where his house is, has kind of some automatic or not automatic, uh, drop down shutters. Yeah. So obviously there's defenses. Yes. Some defenses is a great word built around his house that we kind of start to find out why in interesting and, and fun ways. Yeah. For a short film, this was intense. Yeah. Like for a 10 minute short film, like the first like two minutes, which is almost the first act, you're just kind of like seeing him going to go about his day to day. Chopping wood. Right. Chopping wood, chopping rabbits, uh, chopping potatoes and carrots. Lettuce. Lettuce. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the second act, when this, when he has to start reacting to exterior forces mm. and exterior characters is when we really start to get a tone for the film and for this world that they were creating. Yeah, there's a great sense of foreboding throughout mm-hmm. the whole film. And it's just kind of very, it's kind of like we were saying with John Wick, where it's like all just referenced of like, well, it's getting dark soon. Yeah, like all of the characters are like, it's getting dark. You know, I, I just need a place to stay. We don't know what happens at dark, but like we know it is bad. But just from the character's reaction, the way they talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was really nice. Uh, just well done. There is a, uh, the, I actually don't know, the reveal, mm-hmm. uh, kind of in the end, at the end of the third act, was done really cool. Um, I liked the the movements. Mm-hmm. I liked the kind of build up to that moment. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and again, I, I'm not going to spoil anything. It is 10 minutes. It will be premiering, I believe, on Saturday the 14th um, as part of Renton City Comic Con. Um, I think it is after the award ceremony, uh, which I may or may not be winning an award. Um, <laughs> so you either see John happier or crying. Or see me at all. <laughs> Who is that guy? So, uh, but yeah, so it will be playing for those people locally and, you know, in the Northwest who want to be there for Renton City Comic Con. Uh, I definitely recommend this. This actually, in my rating system, even though it's 10 minutes short, this gets a good. Yeah. Like, this is a solid beginning, middle, end. And a lot of these, you like, oh, they could make a full length. It's like, nah, it's, it's nice. It's tight. Mm-hmm. It tells what it needs to tell and kind of and ends. Yeah. So my official rating is good. What about you? Good. Fantastic. Uh, so yes, that is Jameson, the film by Renton City Comic Con, uh, produced by them, and will be premiering uh, there. So a recap of this week's episode. So of the movies, Peppermint gets an ugly because it just... No, it was just trash. Terrible dialogue, decent fight choreography, but you can tell when it is not Jennifer Garner. Mm. Um, the Nun also gets an ugly because jump scares are not enough. Have a compelling story. Have interesting characters. The things that this movie introduces could be interesting, except we now have one, two, three, five movies after this one in this whole were a shared universe mm-hmm. that none of those really pay off. So it was like, why layer that the in the cinematic universe? <laughs> right. Well, the conjuring cinematic universe, but like conjuring. why layer that in your prequel? If the payoff is not there in the movies we have already seen, there are some interesting things like towards the very, very end of the movie where they do tie it in. No. So it is yeah. ugly. Uh, and then the predator uh, gets two bads, solid action. Yeah. But, the gruesome violence and terrible script are really hard to get past. <laughs> this is a beer movie for me. Like that is the, you have some friends over, you have some beers, you sit back, you watch this, you laugh, you kind of make fun of it. Yeah. It's one of those pretty much. Um, and yeah. And then, so my final thoughts with Rose city comic con really well organized, well structured. I loved the distance that they had between the booths all across the con from artist alley to the Dark Horse booth, to Ninkasi. Uh, shout out also to my friends at Hammered Heroes, a uh, local Spokane gaming company. Jed was actually on the episode last year. Yeah, that was my first episode. Uh, it was when we played the only version in existence <laughs> at the time. Um, and actually now I have my own version that they gave to me. Uh, they succeeded in their Kickstarter. Fantastic. Uh, so they're... Purely that, because of us. I mean, you know, they. <laughs> it was pretty cool because I went up to them and I was like, hey guys, you know, good to see you again. And they're like, yeah, you know, we really appreciate your support with the Kickstarter because we were the only, I was the only podcast that kind of did that sort of thing. Um, except Adam actually did a little bit also on a, on a beer podcast. So, but yeah, so shout out to the Hammered Heroes guys. You can actually buy their game now. Like it is shipping. That's awesome. They're selling it at the con. Great guys. Support local indie gaming Yeah. whenever possible. So I will put a link in the show notes to them. Uh, another shout out to Jeff at Elite Comic Source for... Allowing me to spend a bunch of money at your booth on some awesome <laughs> comics. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a really good time. So as far as upcoming projects for the About to Review podcast, this coming weekend is Renton City Comic Con. So I will be in Renton on Saturday and Sunday. I think I'm going to the VIP party on Friday night. Hmm. Uh, 
yeah, I still got to check a couple things. As far as next week's episode, so it will be about Renton City Comic Con. Uh, there's a screening of White Boy Rick, which I am really excited for. It is already getting a lot of buzz. There will be a re- review for that episode or that movie next episode, as well as I'm going to a Cirque du Soleil show. Oh, yes. Called Volta. Yes. Uh, here at the Marymore Outdoor Theater or Outdoor Performance Place. Yeah, it's a tent. Uh, oh, there they, we go. They, they set up a tent. Yeah. So uh, I will be going to that. Uh, Jed and I might be working on something. I might be able to get some different coverage uh, for the Cirque show. Uh, and then finally, shout out to Aaron Campbell and Robert Randall uh, on a project that we are <laughs> that we are working on. Mm. Um, I highly recommend their podcast, Adventure Hook. Uh, Robert Randall also has an actual play podcast called Black Spire. Uh, so yeah, so Jed and I are kind of working with them on some things, some machinations. Uh, as a, a a creative mind and mm-hmm. uh, listening to Adventure Hook is is a very thrilling experience. It's one of those things where these two guys just kind of riff back and forth and just build these huge storylines, these huge plots, these beautiful worlds just over like the span of an hour. And you can kind of see they've had mm-hmm. some ideas, but the most of the kind of the gestation of the kind of the build is all on that on the podcast. And it's it's really cool to listen to. And uh, they're very open about people using their ideas or talking about their ideas mm-hmm. and kind of getting that out there just as a way to keep the creative juices flowing for, you know, your own stories or games or what yeah. have you. And basically, I mean, it is a thought experiment. Yeah. You know, they, they roll a dice. They look at kind of what they can put together next episode from the beginning. Like they just build this whole world and context. And it just, so yeah. So they are awesome. So definitely shout out to them as well. Uh, yeah, I talked about Robot of the Day, talked about Jeff Carpenter. Thank you again to um, Alyssa Salah. That interview, yeah, is on this episode. So thanks for taking the time for that. I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode of About to Review. Every week on Wednesdays, there are new episodes that get dropped because it is New Comic Book Day. So even though a lot of the comics books that I buy these days are like 40 and 50 years old, <laughs> um, like most of the ones that I bought. I also bought a first appearance of Living Mummy, uh, Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane, number 106, which is a fantastic cover right. where she was going into a, a plasta mold. <laughs> you get a hook. <laughs> um, and she, the cover is I Am Curious Black because uh, she wants to become a black woman for 24 hours. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is just as problematic as you think. God, I love old comic books. <laughs> um, it is It is pretty amazing. So, yeah. So, I picked up some great stuff uh, this weekend and of course hammered here as i picked up that and i'm excited to play it so uh for the podcast you can follow it on social media at about to review facebook twitter and instagram full links to the show notes and guests and the artists you know that i mentioned on this episode will be in the show notes on abouttreview.com subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice if you find a podcast catcher that i am not on except for spotify because i choose not to be on spotify they have weird restrictions hmm. Uh, if there's another one that I'm not on, let me know. Uh, hit me up at aboutreview at gmail.com. Uh, let me know if you were at Rose City Comic Con, what some of your favorite cosplays were, what your favorite panels were. I was blown away by a lot of the cosplay that was there. Uh, Renee, aka Pixie Bomber, spent some time with her this weekend. That was really cool. So, yeah, that is it for the podcast. 
So for this episode of About Review, I have been joined by... A just Jed, apparently. <laughs> just That is going to stick. <laughs> uh, just Jed. And I have been your host, that guy named John. We will see you... Oh, oh wait, no. Uh-oh. Oh, that was, that was a weird... Late breaking. Late breaking news. I might be dropping a review for Mandy, the new Nicolas Cage movie, into this episode. They sent it to me weeks ago. They sent me another email. They're like, looking forward to your review this week. I forgot to watch it. So I'm going to probably try and watch that tonight. It is late. And then cut this into the episode later. So I'm excited to hear that. John at two in the morning after a Nick Cage movie. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And I hear it is one of the craziest thing. A lot of my friends and local critics scene say it is just one of the craziest movies of the year. So look forward to that. So. All right. So for this episode, I have been your host, that guy named John, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.